0: jenna ellis in the morning on american family radio one of the president's ride or die defenders is legal advisor jenna ellis it's such
1: a political prosecution and a political persecution quote this to me is a clear violation of the fourth amendment it's revisionist originalism tolerance just isn't a two-way street with the democrats and i think that tells you all we need to know
0: newsmax contributor and former legal counsel to president trump jenna ellis
1: Friday from the great state of Florida. Uh, I am here for a conference and uh, I love Florida. It is 75 degrees in February. Really amazing. And you know, this is a great state for so many reasons. Uh, and one of those reasons is because you have so many great uh, members of Congress from Florida, my good friend Matt Gates, and also Corey Mills, who is a congressman from Florida 7, decorated Army combat veteran and member of the House Armed Services and House Foreign Affairs Committees. And Representative Mills joins me this morning. So, uh, Representative Mills, first, you know, I love your state. It's amazing. And, um, you know, I I just I always appreciate uh, all the time that I get to spend in Florida And I also love um, the the snarky factor from (laughs) from, I think, a lot of the people out of Florida. And, you know, you have some really great responses to uh, Joe Biden's State of the Union. And we've been talking about this this week um, and just the remarkable lack of mental capacity that he had during the State of the Union. I mean, my top takeaway was I didn't really know that there was a Chisholm Act. So uh, what was your overall (laughs) response to uh, the State of the Union?
2: Well, I mean, first off, I don't think that I was any more surprised than the rest of America. We saw Joe get up there and try and make claims. That was completely false. Um, Try to say a lot about having this gleaming jobs report, but fails to explain to the American people that a lot of these people are on this new jobs report, or people who are now having to get a second, a third, or even in some cases a fourth job to be able to afford the 13% of inflation costs that's gone up under Joe Biden, the cost of living allowances, his direct attack on fossil fuels, which has driven up our uh, gas prices. And so, you know, it's funny how he just continues to try and spend those things and put everything onto the Republican Party or onto, as he even tried to mention, uh, President Trump. And, uh, you know, I thought that was very interesting that still Trump is living rent-free in his mind, uh, however scrambled that may be. And, you know, it was just one of those things where nothing that he stated – state say the union surprised me at all. It was exactly what we had anticipated. He avoided all the things that were the issues, passed them off, took no responsibility or accountability, and just continued to be the spin artists he is.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I actually thought it was entirely appropriate of the Republicans and uh, Speaker McCarthy to, uh, to vocally <laughs> push back at times. Um, you know, the, this whole conversation- Absolutely. After. uh, Yeah. And I'm glad you agree, because, you know, a a lot of the conversation from the leftist media is, you know, oh, this is so inappropriate. And, you know, he's we have to respect the office. And, you know, I'm all for respecting the office of president. But when the occupier of that office stands in front of the American people in Congress and blatantly lies, then, you know, for Speaker McCarthy to shake his head or, you know, say uh, by by words as we can see him um, as well, in the background, you know, say that's not true. I think that's appropriate to fact-check him in real time.
2: Well, and let's also go ahead and balance this out. The same people who are saying that we need to show a modicum of respect for the presidency, when all we're trying to do is to vocal like vocalize the fact that these are absolute lies, and the Republican Party at no time has said we're cutting Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid benefits. Now. They want to yell at that. But what about when Pelosi was standing behind our president, President Trump, ripping up the State of the Union speech? Where was everyone's outrage during this time when they want to talk about respect for the office? Where were they when Nancy Pelosi was literally on video as the speaker threatening to punch a sitting president in the face? I mean, it's so funny. The hypocrisy just has no bounds when it comes to the left. And, you know, we weren't going to stand there. I, I was actually sitting in the road next to Congressman Ronnie Jackson Uh, Congressman Byron Donalds and uh, Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne. And, you know, all of us were very vocal in the Republican Party because, you know, we can't allow the American people to continue to listen to this propaganda that the Democrats spew. We need to start going on offense. The Democrats, you know, they're always on offense and the Republicans are always playing defense. It is time for us to go on offense.
1: Yeah, you're right, Representative um, Mills from the great state of Florida. Uh, you know, this really has just become a PR campaign, and, and that's all that the State of the Union is. And, you know, you use this term propaganda that I think is so apt because— um, the, really in in the sense in which the state of the union was originally contemplated in the constitution to address congress and actually inform congress of um to in order to carry out your legislative duties better that's not what anybody is doing anymore in the modern era and certainly not right. joe biden when all he's trying to do is lay the groundwork for his 2024 re-election campaign if he ends up getting there um i think for the democrats they're Probably their um, outcome that they preferred out of the State of the Union was that he would show that he's uh, ready and able to announce run for reelection. And I think he utterly failed on that. I mean, regardless of, of how uh, terrible the content was, I think just uh, we all saw so clearly in that hour plus long speech that he just isn't there and he cannot possibly handle the office of the president for another six years, much less another two. So, do you actually anticipate that um, that he will announce his his reelection campaign? And I mean, what what's kind of the thought from some of your colleagues across the aisle on Capitol Hill?
2: Well, I certainly think that he's going to continue to try and run, whether they have to prop him up on more medication or not. They're going to keep him in that seat as long as they can. But I'll tell you, I think that even after all the spins that he tried to make last night, you know, it, it's hard to try and convince the American people that the State of the Union is strong when every single one of them are struggling to be able to you know, in, you know, live on the current increased living cost, or having to make decisions on whether I fill up my gas tank or fill up my grocery cart or looking at the state of our border or looking at how we're viewed now on the world stage as China, Russia, Iran, North Korea becomes more of the aggressors. Um, I I think that, you know, he can say whatever he wanted during that hour-long speech. I thought that Governor Sarah Huckabee did a fantastic job in her rebuttal. That was actually more of a true state of the union. And uh, my hat's off to her. I thought that she was fantastic. But the American people, they're not going to be persuaded by these lies. They live the real state of the union every single day.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I I completely agree with you that her rebuttal was amazing, and I think it needs to be the mantra of Republicans headed into twenty twenty four. Vote normal, not crazy. I mean that that contrast was so perfectly stated. Um, but you know, you mentioned um some of our foreign adversaries, and um you know, of course, as a as a decorated Army combat veteran, um you have experience with um you know understanding military tactics and. I did not, as as I said uh, earlier this week, I did not have on my 2023 bingo card to have a Chinese spy balloon literally traversing the entire United States. I mean, this is just getting beyond Babylon-be-worthy content. Um, But what was your perspective of not only that situation, but how Biden really didn't address that at all in the State of the Union? And do you think he should have
2: more? Well, I I actually am pretty good friends with with Seth Dillon and I can tell you one of the things he actually told me he said the Babylon Bee is getting harder and harder to do because satire is no longer satire it's become the norm Um, (laughs) but you know the whole thing is is that there was a lot of things that Joe Biden missed and 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 the thing that was most upset by as someone who you know my I I paused my campaign about midway through and actually was uh, one of the first teams to go over we were the first to do a conducted overland rescue of Americans out of Afghanistan and after biden had left them behind and it was it's shameful that out of the last two state of the unions not once has joe biden addressed these 13 gold star families or acknowledged the sacrifice made by those brave heroes and i really take a big offense to that you know i spent over seven years in iraq i served three years in afghanistan i was blown up twice in iraq in 06 my bronze star recipients and i've had angel flights where i've had to bring brothers home and i thought that, that was really shameful that the president, the commander-in-chief, as he refers to himself, couldn't acknowledge the brave heroes who sacrificed for this life. And mm-hmm. when you look at just how we handle the world stage, you know, Afghanistan was a complete botched failure where thousands were left behind and where we handed $86 billion over to what is now the best and most well-equipped uh, terrorist organization in the world, the Taliban, Haqqani, and ISIS, of But we also handed over trillion in resources for lithium to China. We handed them Bagram Air Base. And China saw what we did during this, and that's what emboldened them in their approach with their alignment with Russia, Iran, and North Korea to take and expand their Eurasian border. Remember, Chairman Xi's main goal is to create the Roden Belt Initiative. And what he's going to do in this is expand out the Eurasian border to take over that portion, which is in Ukraine, utilizing Russia, Africa, Oceania, recreate like a maritime silk route, if you will, that can cut off Western Hemisphere's supply chain, and then simultaneously go into OPEC and try and replace the petrodollar to the petro-yarn, the petro-ruble, so that he can help to try and advance the hyperinflation that's going on here in America. Simultaneously, he's utilizing Russia and a communist kind of agenda to advance things with the Chavez in Venezuela, the Pedro, who was just elected in Colombia but also putting mainland Chinese in the Darien Gap in between Honduras and Panama, where they're actually printing the fentanyl that's coming across our border that at least Joe Biden acknowledged over 70,000 Americans a year is, you know, are dying from. And so on top of that, you know they're setting up this Iron Curtain. They're taking over and launching economic resources, cyber warfare against America, which they have for two decades. They're attempting to eliminate the U.S. dollar's global currency. And simultaneously, they're utilizing things like this surveillance balloon to show to their own people that the Americans are weak. That balloon, whether it was a dummy balloon or whether it was an actual surveillance balloon, which we do have the capability and capacity to block its its, its receptions, they talk about wanting to shoot it down over a safe area and then shot it over the Atlantic. I would have preferred for them to have shot it over the Pacific when they already had started violating U.S. airspace, when Nora had already picked them up over the Aleutian chain, when we actually showed that we're a decisive nation. This was a... Not just a surveillance operation, it was a vulnerability assessment. And what they proved to the Chinese people and to Chinese allies is that America is not strong and the world leader any longer. And what they also showed is that Joe Biden will not call out the Communist Chinese Party or Chairman Xi themselves as an adversary and will allow them, with the prop-up of WHO and WEF, to try and continue his goal at a hegemony. We are at a very, very dangerous and pivotal point. America has the second largest Navy now. China's got the largest military buildup in their industrial base since the Americans in World War II. They're the second largest economy. They're the largest oil reserve in the world. And Joe Biden sold 40% of our strategic petroleum reserves to help support that. And so it is a dangerous time frame. And that balloon, while some may find it a bit comical, That was a vulnerability assessment, and what could come after that is something like an EMP strike that targets our ICBMs or a dummy bomb where they utilize ground comm scramblings that they're buying $6 billion a year in land in America around our military bases and our farmlands, and that could be their prelude into jumping into Taiwan and continuing their expansion because they know America is weak.
1: This is just incredibly sad for America and, I think, infuriating to anyone that is listening to this. Uh, Congressman Corey Mills out of Florida. And, you know, in just the last two minutes that I have with you here, um, you know, this, this just plays right into the um, the obvious other failure of Joe Biden to uh, protect our southern border as well. I mean, he's not protecting our airspace. He's not protecting our economy. He's not protecting you know, our boundaries of sovereignty literally anywhere. And so, um, you know, for all of us who are also frustrated about, um, you know, the border crisis as well. Um, what, what is the attitude then of the new majority of the house, uh, which, you know, you're a part of to actually push back against, um, what I believe is just a total dereliction of duty and his obligation to fulfill, uh, his oath of
2: office. Well, it is an absolute dereliction of duty. It should be something that secretary Menorcas either resigns or is impeached for. Uh, I know that. Uh, James Comer and Oversight, they're going after the border security stuff, and we're trying to implement the Texas border plan, which uh, Speaker McCarthy had agreed to. Um, We in the Foreign Affairs Committee, I sit on the subcommittee of Oversight, Uh, we will be uh, sending out subpoenas and doing investigations to get transparency and accountability for the American people for the Afghan withdrawal. You know, they can continue to try and make these policy decisions, these America last agenda uh, pulses. But at the end of the day, we hold the majority in the House. We're going to bring them in to basically, you know, have to toe the line, answer to the American people and start getting answers and transparency before 2024. when we can actually get a president, hopefully, that comes into that office that will once again help us to become the world leader that we once were.
1: Excellent. We'll keep up the great work, uh, Representative Corey Mills, out of Florida. Um, hope we can continue the conversation soon. Thanks so much for joining. We'll be right back with more.
3: From the first phone call that I made, they had me on a track to mitigate the credit card debt.
0: Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands.
3: Working with Trinity gave me the ability to save thousands of dollars. My name's Doug, and thanks to Trinity, I'm debt-free for keeps.
0: Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813.
4: This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders.
2: Today we pray for Senator
0: Cynthia Lummis of Wyoming. She has been the state's junior senator since 2021 she has also served in the house of representatives and served
3: as wyoming's treasurer hebrews 13:7 reminds us of the qualities we should seek in a leader remember those who led you who spoke the word of god to you and considering the result of their conduct imitate their faith right now with this in mind let's pray together Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Senator Lummis as she represents the people of Wyoming. We ask this
2: in Jesus' name, Amen.
4: Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello,
3: Americans. I'm Todd and Stand by for news and commentary next. Deion Sanders is the new head coach at the University of Colorado, also a Christian man. He praised and glorified God when he was introduced to fans as the new head football coach. Meetings with players and coaches are always started with a word of prayer. Well, at least they were. The Freedom From Religion Foundation heard about the prayers and fired off a threatening letter. They accused the coach of proselytizing and warned he was using his position as a coach to advance religion. They said the coach's prayer was against the law. The University of Colorado dispatched their Equity and Compliance office to the football stadium. They reminded Coach Sanders of their non-discrimination policies and warned him not to engage in religious expression. The out-of-town atheist praised the University of Colorado and praised their commitment to secularism. Well, let's hope the Buffaloes never need to throw a Hail Mary pass. I'm Todd Starnes.
0: Speaking truth with love. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning.
1: Welcome back. And, uh, you know, we've been discussing and breaking down the State of the Union address all week and the uh, horrific... horrific presentation that really was just a PR campaign for uh, Joe Biden and of course uh, masking a lot of uh, what his executive branch is actually doing and uh, tearing down the U.S. Constitution while not protecting our borders our sovereignty or Our constitutionally protected rights. And uh, a lot of that had to do as well with uh, with the Second Amendment, with Joe Biden uh, talking about how he wanted to ban assault weapons, couldn't even define that and uh, really couldn't articulate any sort of basis. It's like he just gives these uh, bold assertions and statements like we need to do this but gives no justification for it. So I want to get to my next guest to talk about this further and uh, the runaway executive and what uh, Congress can do to stop it. So uh, Representative Mike Collins from the great state of Georgia joins me now. So, sir, uh, first, your reaction overall to the State of the Union.
4: You know, uh, Jenna, uh, when I got uh, back to the hotel that night, I I, I remembered I should have worn my boots Instead of my <laughs> shoes to that thing, because uh, the more he talked, it seemed like the deeper it was getting. <laughs>
1: that's a that's a great uh, expression, and uh, and I, and I think the visual is very apt. And uh, you know, he he's talking about all of these things that you know he's lauding in terms of the the state of the union is strong. You know, concluding with that, and I'm thinking anybody reasonable and rational is looking around the country and the contrast in just two years since president trump when we had you know a dollar 79 for a gallon of gas or a dozen eggs and and a strong executive that was actually protecting our country to to what joe biden has done just over two years i mean it it is an incredible contrast
4: oh it was it was uh, and i think you're hitting the nail on the head in a lot of ways because the American people out there, uh, sometimes when you hear a State of the Union, it's, uh, you can't really relate to it. It's, uh, it's on a broader scale or it's on national scale and, and uh, maybe about other countries or something like that. But this time it's more personal because Americans actually get up every day and they go buy groceries or they go buy their gas, and they understand exactly where that inflation is hitting. It's hitting them in the back pocket. And uh, I know we did some research and and, and were telling some folks the other night that uh, actually the buying power of the average person out there is about $7,400 less in annual income now as opposed to when it was during the Trump administration. That hits home. People see that. And when they see things like uh, what Biden was espousing the other night, um, you know, they understand that's rhetoric and they understand that it's actually nothing but a bunch of lies.
1: Right and uh, and I'm talking with Congressman Mike Collins from the great state of Georgia. and you know that raises um, no pun intended another question about the debt ceiling. Um, so you know, as we're looking at inflation, we're looking at uh, you know even just what Americans are paying in taxes now and we're looking at how um, the cost of everything is just becoming um, somewhat insurmountable by a lot of American families. and then uh, then, Speaker McCarthy and Joe Biden are having this conversation because the Democrats want to raise the debt ceiling further. Uh, what's what is your response? And, uh, and, and if you've had any conversations with the speaker or with uh, Republicans in general in your caucus um, about uh, how Republicans are addressing this issue?
4: Well, and, and, and you're right, as they have gone on this spending spree for the past couple of years, that's that's a major cause of that inflation. And uh, when you keep devaluing the dollar like they've done, uh, and and people, sit, and, and there again, I go back, everything that you do in Congress, if you wanna get major legislation or anything major passed, you've gotta have the American people behind you. They feel what's going on. And when you point out the fact that we have spent our way to a 31 trillion dollar debt, they understand that now. and And they are demanding, the American people are demanding that we do something to turn this ship around and get our budget under control. You know, we even have, he, he talked uh, the other night, and uh, he hasn't even proposed a budget. He hasn't even sent a budget. So where we're at, we need the president to sit down with the speaker and start negotiating on spending cuts. Uh, they're not going to get a clean debt ceiling passed through the House. There's no way. Well, So that's what we need to see is some spending cuts to, to start bringing down the debt Uh, and and some sort of time frame to do that. And and the other side of that equation is, and and it's exactly what we passed in these House rules, which are fantastic, uh, is the fact that we need a budget, we need appropriation bills passed, these omnibus bills that they've been passing for the past 10 years that Schumer thought was the greatest thing since sliced bread, uh, they're gone. It's time to start debating what this country, what this federal government spends and making these uh, these agencies held accountable for what they're doing, not only on what they're spending, but for what they're doing to the American public, for the small business person out there, and the way that they have just the overreach and the overregulations have been killing this place and killing yeah. small businesses out there. Uh, I uh, it was very offensive what he what he was talking about, about uh, or what Biden was talking about. Make he was going to force, or he's going to force American companies to bring their business back to the shores of the United States. That's great. You can't force them, not with higher taxes and more regulations. What does he think the reason they left for? They left because they couldn't afford to do business here. And okay. so, you know, the, the, it's just more rhetoric from a Democrat playbook that's got us to the point of where we're at now.
1: Yeah. And and it's just it's a bizarre way of looking at the responsibility of government from the Democrat side where they think they can just go on these spending sprees and they think that uh, that they can just print money. And continue to send uh, billions of dollars to Ukraine as well, and and then they can just you know raise the debt ceiling. They can do anything that they want because you know they're the government and they're in control. And for the for the average American who's looking at this, and especially as you mentioned, uh, Representative Collins, the the small business owner, and you know the people who are the backbone of America, who are actually the ones facing the consequences um, most uh, direly. Um, you know in, in the context of the COVID pandemic as well and how that shut down, um, you know, so many small businesses. And then you had all of this, uh, you know, money that was given uh, during COVID that a lot of it was taken by, um, you know, some, some Democrats and, you know, others that, um, that really wasn't justified under that. And so, um, you know, when we talk about the context of, of COVID money clawback as well, um, how is Congress potentially addressing that?
4: Well, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's one thing that, that a lot of us, especially uh, when you step in up here as a freshman, how, how can you get in the fight and, uh, and help address uh, the spending problem that we have up here? And clawback is one of the things that we've been looking at. Uh, we've been asking questions from everything uh, from if we've already appropriated the money, but we haven't spent it, does that actually, is it already counted towards the debt? Uh, which uh, we believe it has been. So that's a great place to start looking. And that pandemic money, we really don't know how much money in these omnibus bills were pushed out there for pandemic that haven't been spent. Uh, if you, I'm sure you've probably seen here lately that there's, there's a lot of states out there now that, that are lining up to send another checkout. And yeah. so if we can go ahead and claw that money back, in my opinion, the way I look at things, it's all cash flow. If we can keep the cash flow below the debt limit, which was, um, I guess they, they determined that number when the, the, um, by the date of the debt limit, this time instead of a money amount. Uh, if, we can keep that, if we can keep our debts below that, then in my opinion, we're not in a debt ceiling. Uh, but, uh, but there again, no matter how we address that, we've got to start passing our budget and appropriation bills up here.
1: Yeah, and that just makes so much sense, Representative Collins, that that you would treat it like cash flow, you'd treat it a government um, almost like a business instead of uh, you know, having this this wild idea that the government is the only institution that doesn't have to balance its budget. I mean, if if any other entrepreneurial organization or business was run like the federal government, they would have gone under Years and decades ago, um, but it's only somehow the one non-revenue-generating institution in the United States that doesn't have to be accountable and balance its budget. It, it really doesn't make any sense, and the American people are suffering for it. And you know, this is something um, that that my friends at um, you know, the Convention of States Project um, are trying to pass through as a constitutional amendment um, to balance the budget and require that from our federal government. And, um, you know, and I know that there have been a few different ways that Congress has tried to initiate that. Of course, you know, the state legislatures could through an article five convention. Um, but is that something that that's also being contemplated, um, requiring the federal government so that regardless of what party is in control, we actually do have a balanced budget?
4: Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I'd love to see a balanced budget amendment up here. Uh, the thing is, you know, that would take a while to get that through. Uh, and in the meantime, we need to be operating with a balanced budget or a budget that actually starts saving money in mind. Uh, because you're exactly right. The federal government has operated with no accountability for years, especially under the years of when Nancy Pelosi was in charge of this House. And that's another reason that uh, when Republicans became the majority this time, that we are having oversight hearings in every committee we have. Um, You see a lot on TV with the judiciary and the oversight committee in particular, which is great for what they're aiming at. But in the other committees, uh, for instance, I just stepped out of a subcommittee where we're vice chair on oversight uh, for natural resources. We are investigating what's been going on in, in the mining, the energy sector, and, uh, and that's very important to get a hold of what actually has been going on in this place up here and, uh, and see how we can make sure that the American people know what's been happening and the fact that we need to turn it around.
1: Well, I, I commend you for your work on that. And I hope that uh, that we do have a, a government that is actually acting responsibly and we can start to kind of move that ball back. Because you're right, I think, you know, I mean, it would take a long time to get that kind of support for an amendment and we need to be acting responsibly now. Um, but hopefully, um, yeah, and, and the Democrats have said, oh, you know, the adults are back in office when Joe Biden came in and, and they're acting the worst and most irresponsible uh, that I that I've seen. I mean, even more so than um, Obama's legacy and even, you know, and then way back um, with with Clinton's and others. I mean, this has been a full scale trajectory toward insanity from the Democrats and things that just don't make sense. And so the the third term of Obama, some people call uh, Joe Biden's presidency, um, really has been the most extreme, the most dereliction of duty and and also um, the most lacking of protecting of of basic Rights that Americans uh, have, and that the Constitution requires government to have, and so in the last um, just few minutes that I have with you uh, here, Representative Collins, I also wanted to ask you, speaking of protecting our rights, um, about um, this idea of doing away with the ATF or you know the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. Um, that's also something that's being contemplated in Congress, and I think a lot of conservatives would be very happy to see you know the the bureaucratic regulation of uh, firearms in particular kind of um, to go away. Uh, what is your position on that and what's what's been happening in Congress?
4: You, you know, as soon as we got here, I was hunting down Gates, uh, <laughs> Representative Gates, and I asked him if he was going to drop that bill, and he said it was ready to go. We signed on as a co-sponsor, um, fully behind the abolishing the ATF. You could easily fold the, that, that agency under some other people. Uh, but that the ATF has been totally politicized. We've seen that for decades, and so we need to get get a get control over it. And The easiest way to do that is just abolish them.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, well said, and that that goes, in my opinion, for like ninety five percent of the executive agencies that you know they're oh, yeah. Um, yeah. overly. Be- Go ahead. Yeah.
4: No, uh, and and then on the the other side of that is thank goodness we're gonna, we've got oversight over the DOJ now. And, and we're going to be peeling back the layers of that DOJ, the FBI, the whole crowd, and uh, it, it's uh, it's time to expose exactly what's been going on, and then get rid of people like Garland over there. It's time yeah, to go.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and yeah, and this that, that's just another example of you know kind of the over uh, politicizing of of another agency uh, out of the executive branch, you know, the DOJ, which you know they're they're constitutional. But I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these agencies just don't even need to exist. And the overregulation regulation of the administrative state is how um, the federal government is continuing to put, you know, their thumb on the scale and really not protecting uh, the American people. And so, um, so representative Collins, you know, with, with all of this, and I appreciate, you know, your insights on kind of a wide variety of topics here. Um, you know, how, how likely is it that your bill uh, with Representative Gates will pass at least out of the House?
4: Well, I think what we need to do is, is, is have some hearings on it and uh, continue to gain co-sponsor support. And uh, we'll get this thing through the House. I think, I think it's got a good chance.
1: Excellent. Well, that's great. Well, I really appreciate you joining me this morning and um, keep up the great work. I know that there are so many listeners who um, who love having members of Congress you know, on this show because it's encouraging for all of us to hear the perspectives and the insights from Capitol Hill and that you're fighting the good fight and that you are uh, making sure that that you are prioritizing preserving and protecting the rights of the American people and also holding Joe Biden accountable. So, uh, well, Representative Mike Collins, thanks so much um, for today. And, and how can people best help support you?
4: You know what? They can follow us on Twitter. That'd be great. And, and you know, we put things out all the time on what we're seeing and uh, what's going on. And that's at Rep uh, Mike Collins. They, they can search us and, and find us really all across all the social medias. But, uh, Jenna, Excellent. it is a great time to be in Congress. I didn't come up here for a career. I came up here on a mission. And uh, and we have started on that mission and at at a fast pace. Well, keep uh, on that trajectory. Everything else we've got put in. It's going to be a great year.
1: Excellent, and we are champions for you. Thanks so much for joining me. We'll be right back with more right after this. Mom is a face washer, a coupon clipper, and a listening ear. She's a diaper changer, a laundry folder, and a mender of hearts. She's a master juggler of the jobs of the day. She's simply incredible and incredibly busy. At One Million Moms, we understand the hurried pace of the average mom. That's why we've made it so easy for you to take a stand against the trash that's in today's media. Visit OneMillionMoms.com.
4: Isaiah says, we shall beat our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks and nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall we study war
2: anymore. And I believe that day is definitely coming, that Jesus Christ, the King of kings
4: and the Lord of lords, will bring us prosperity, harmony, but that's not the world we live in yet.
2: Tune in to The Awakening, weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. U.S. Air Force General Glenn Van Hercke Commander of North American Aerospace Defense Command and United States Northern Command informed reporters that the Chinese spy balloon that was shot down off the coast of South Carolina was up to 200 feet tall, weighed in excess of a couple thousand pounds, and seemingly carried explosives to detonate and destroy the balloon. It was first spotted in Alaska, and we let it drift across our national mainland, including sensitive defense sites, collecting who knows what. This gives new meaning to Chinese inflation.
0: Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net. For more, from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Introducing AFA Streaming, a new online platform that hosts all AFA-produced video content including documentaries, church curriculum, American Family Radio shows, and our Cultural Institute series. The Constitution only works in the atmosphere of Christianity. Critical race theory and intersectionality are new religious frameworks. The Christian must say, as Paul said to the Galatians, there is no new gospel. AFA Streaming is a vital step that we are taking to fulfill our vision to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. You'll find top-notch resources that address the issues of our day related to marriage, family, the sanctity of life, and many others. Start streaming today, streaming.afa.net. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio.
1: So yesterday, the uh, news broke that Project Veritas may be ousting uh, James O'Keefe from their organization, which comes uh, quite a, a surprise, I think, to a lot of us who uh, have been following uh, all of their Investigative journalism and especially this latest drop from uh, the Pfizer videos. And so Project Veritas' official response uh, yesterday to the news reports says, Quote, Project Veritas has achieved immense growth and impact during the last three years. Like all newsrooms at this stage, the Project Veritas Board of Directors and Management are constantly evaluating what the best path forward is for the organization. The board and management are continuing this internal evaluation to assure our long-term success. Project Veritas will never stop, and we will never let our supporters down. There are 65-plus employees at Project Veritas dedicated to continuing the mission to expose corruption, dishonesty, waste, fraud, and other misconduct by both public and private institutions. To our supporters, we hear you, we care about you, and we will never give up. So a lot of speculation uh, has been going on surrounding this story, and I've been watching this with uh, very keen interest because, um, as as all of you know, uh, we have been looking forward on the show to having uh, James O'Keefe come on uh, to talk about the uh, Pfizer videos and, and some of these things. And, um, and just from a personal standpoint, um, I have been in communication with uh, Project Veritas and Know um, a lot of these people personally, including uh, James O'Keefe, including uh, some of their board members and um, and and some of their uh, higher level executives. Um, so these are all my friends, and so this story uh, to me is is uh, is an interesting one to watch the unfolding of the response. Um, because, like you, I don't know exactly what's going on. I've heard from uh, multiple sources, varying reasons, and um, and, and a lot of uh, support for either James O'Keefe or uh, for the board members um, in in a variety of ways. And so, um, for example, uh, Matt Tiermand, who um, all of you know, actually, he was on the show a couple of weeks ago uh, talking about the Brazil elections. Um, so he is a friend as well. And he's been slammed on social media for uh, being the alleged ringleader of taking advantage of Project Veritas's composition and, uh, and being able to just oust James O'Keefe for personal reasons. And then there's also speculation that this is just because of Pfizer and and, uh, because of potential Pfizer litigation surrounding the video, then um, James O'Keefe is now kind of the fall guy. So um, I've I've been watching this, and I finally tweeted this kind of late last night or or early this morning, whichever uh, way you want to look at the clock. Uh, But I said, I support Project Veritas, James O'Keefe, and Matt Tierman. They are all my friends. Because of this, I'm not going to form an opinion on what's happening until we have more facts. Opinions are based on facts and speculation is based on lack of facts. Uh, This is important, I think, to address in this context that we need to be careful to wait and see. Um, Oftentimes in the 24-hour news cycle, which has kind of become the 24-minute news cycle, uh, people rush to judgment and people rush to uh, two opinions surrounding a news story and the why before we have all of the facts. Um, so I don't know and I don't support uh, James or Matt one over the other at this point because I don't know exactly what's going on. And um, could there be a legitimate reason that uh, James is being ousted? Yes, um, there are a variety of possibilities. Uh, could there be a uh, could there be truth to the fact that this could just be um, someone taking advantage of the board composition and ousting James for personal reasons and not a legitimate uh, a reason that that we would understand? Okay, that's someone who deserves to be ousted. Well, yes. So there are a variety of um, circumstances, and all of those are possibilities. At this point, we don't know all of the facts, and I'm seeing a lot of tribalistic response uh, to people who support James O'Keefe and say, well, I'm never giving to Project Veritas if James is gone because, you know, he is Project Veritas. And I think that at this stage, that is premature. We need to always make sure that our opinions are not based on speculation, but based on the facts. The facts don't change. Uh, The truth does not change but our opinion can based on what uh, the facts actually show. And and the truth will come out. It always does. Uh, But while this story is, I think, earth shattering to uh, the conservative community and very unexpected um, to those of us who weren't in the know and and aren't still in the know, um, I, I think that the it is incumbent upon us to wait and let the facts bear themselves out. And not just in this instance. I think this needs to be the focus and um, the way that Christians always wait to reserve judgment until we know more facts. Um, And and of course, once you form an opinion on the known facts, if a fact uh, later shows uh, and, and more evidence is provided, then you can change your opinion based on new facts. Um, this is why a lot of people actually defer decision making until I want all the facts for for my spreadsheet. And, um, you know, a lot of people in my family are very much that same way. And sometimes deadlines force us to make judgments and determinations with the facts known at the time. And so it's a matter of wisdom. And and I think we need to show that we are wise uh, when responding to not just stories like this one, um, but responding to any uh, anything that that is happening in our world, anything that is happening in our churches, uh, anything that is happening in our families, we need to be fact finders first, and then be wise and discerning. And um, as as the Book of Proverbs admonishes us, you know, a, a man's story may seem correct the first person until someone comes and asks some questions or cross examines him. Um, so I think that we need to always. Uh, take a little bit of a step back and uh, and say, okay, what's actually known, and uh, and then form a determination. Um, especially when it comes to things that are personal stories or tend to be more um, gossip oriented. Um, things going on in our church, um, things going on with our friends, and and it's and it's just wise. A lot of us tend to to jump to conclusions and judgments based on our own biases, our own loyalties, and certainly we need to love and support our friends uh, and love and support our pastors and churches, but we need to be wise when doing so. So I'll be very interested to see uh, the facts as they come out, and of course we'll discuss that uh, right here uh, every morning. So um, a couple of other headlines for you in the last few minutes we have on this wonderful and beautiful Friday morning. So Senator John Fetterman from Pennsylvania was hospitalized um, overnight Wednesday after suffering from lightheadedness. Uh, He'd been attending a retreat for Democrat senators when he began to feel lightheaded. And according to the Washington Post, he left the event and called staffers who took him to the hospital. Of course, John Fetterman is uh, the senator from Pennsylvania who suffered a stroke in May when he was uh, still running for Senate. And a lot of emphasis has uh, been on his health and how and if uh, he will continue to be in good enough health uh, to survive his full term. And this, of course, raises the question of u s. Senate vacancies and how are they filled? So uh, so currently, if uh, John Fetterman were to be um, unable to finish his term, then the current governor of Pennsylvania would appoint. Uh, a, a person out of Pennsylvania to fill that seat until the uh, next general election uh, to fill the rest of the term. And so, of course, this has led to uh, more speculation. Uh, we love that word <laughs> this morning out of, uh, out of the nation to, uh, to wonder if this was a little bit of a setup by the Democrats um, to not really care about candidate quality, just want to uh, be able to have that seat in Pennsylvania and, of course, their Democrat governor is uh, Josh Shapiro, and he would be the one who was able to fill that seat. And uh, whether or not he would uh, fill that with someone who wouldn't have been otherwise elected is is the question. Um, but I think this raises a really important constitutional uh, point and and a, and a constitutional observation, because historically and originally under the U.S. Constitution before the 17th Amendment uh, was ratified, United States senators were selected and appointed by the state legislatures. And this is the difference between the two chambers in in Congress. Uh, the U.S. House of Representatives is supposed to represent the people. They are popularly elected from each of the districts. And uh, this is why we have the census. This is why uh, the the number of Uh, U.S. House of Representatives uh, changes depending on the population of the state, and they are supposed to represent the people. Originally, uh, the Senate was supposed to represent the state legislatures. They were supposed to be the representatives of the state legislature. They could be recalled uh, by the state legislature, and they were Uh, the agent or representative uh, doing the bidding of the state legislature so that the legislatures could have a voice in the federal government. This was an element of uh, not only... um, participation with the states and and power to the states but an element of state sovereignty and of course in 1913 when the 17th amendment was ratified which um, by the way was a, a very bad year i was talking to a friend uh, last night about this very issue and uh, his observation was uh, that the 1913 was a very bad year for america because that was also when the 16th amendment uh, was passed which of course uh, is is the uh, ability for the federal government to lay and collect income taxes. And for all of us looking looking forward to April, uh, we always think that taxation is theft. And I tend to agree with that position um, because the government doesn't have to come and ask us for uh, permission for certain projects. They can simply uh, tax us and then go and spend our money however they want their non-revenue generating institution. And uh, so we have to give whether or not we like uh, the projects, whether or not we like the funding. Um, so that's... That's a problem, and so uh, 1913 very bad year for America, but the 17th Amendment, in my opinion, and the 16th, uh, but the 17th Amendment should be repealed. Um, I don't think that this was a a good redistribution of power to allow United States senators to be popularly elected, and John Fetterman is a great example of that, and this situation uh, with questions surrounding his health is also a great uh, a great example of that because uh, if we had the original uh, constitutional context, then the Pennsylvania state legislature uh, that is Republican in majority uh, would likely have appointed someone else besides John Fetterman uh, to go to, uh, to Congress. And so, you know, the constitutional amendment process is always very interesting. And while, of course the 17th amendment was ratified pursuant to article 5 um, originated in uh, congress and then was ratified by the states that doesn't necessarily mean that every time we have changed the structure of our government system that has always been better so we need to always be looking at how do we modify our system of government to create a more perfect union and have we made mistakes in the past in modifications that we would like to repeal and and go back. Um, and so a lot of people object to this idea of a convention of of the states um, as a method, that is in article five to amend the u.s constitution oh this will be runaway and oh you know we don't know well i'm a huge advocate for the convention of states and the reason is not only did the founders uh, give us this as one of the two methods to amend the constitution and i think we should have had conventions of states uh, well before this it's not a constitutional convention we can't rewrite the whole constitution we can only amend it in the exact same way that we've amended the constitution 27 times in our nation's history uh, and so it's a method, though, we, by which the people and the state legislatures can bypass Congress and put forward amendments to their fellow states that are binding on the federal government without the federal government's input. That's a very good thing because without uh, Congress's input, we may be at a time where we can uh, we can repeal the 16th and 17th Amendment. We can do some of these very very good things, and even if uh, some some people are suggesting, well, we're concerned about that because what if we uh, repealed uh, the the Second Amendment? Well, my response to that is one: I don't think you would get. Uh, to the three-fourths sta- of the states that would ratify such um, such a proposal. But even if we ra- we uh, repealed the Second Amendment, that doesn't change the status of our rights as being God-given, inalienable, and required by our government to preserve and protect. So um, the, our, our first ten amendments, the Bill of Rights, are simply a redundancy protection. To say, Congress, in case you weren't clear what limited subject matter you can actually legislate on, well, we are going to remind you these certain uh, topics are completely off limits. Congress shall make no law respecting, you know, establishment of religion, et cetera, that is in the First Amendment. So same thing. Even if we repealed the First Amendment, that doesn't change the status of our rights. It simply uh, would would mean that, you know, the three-fourths of the states are absolutely absurd and, and, and America would be in a very dangerous position. But that's not going to actually change the limited power of government in uh, how they are not able to infringe upon our rights. Um, so so I think that that's, a, that's an interesting question. And um, then finally, in just the last uh, quick seconds that we have here, um, I just wanted to also uh, read this story really quick, that the Church of England is considering renaming uh, God and his personal pronouns. So they don't think that he should be able to be called a he. I was laughing at this story because I thought, okay, according to the leftists, literally everyone can choose their personal pronouns except for God. This is just yet another way that we are in a ridiculous uh, state in the world. So <laughs> so I will leave you with that on uh, this Friday morning. Have a great Friday, and uh, tune in each and every Monday through Friday right here for Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio.